0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Fiona. The Bible reading this morning is from the book of Peter, chapter 5, verses 6 to 14. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind, To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ.
1: Well, good morning, church. How are you going? I'm wondering how you're feeling about today and this period of stage four restrictions coming to an end, but not really being over. I wonder how you're feeling. Are you hopeful? Are you anxious? Maybe a mixture of the two. We've all been listening to the premier, we've been complying with the guidelines. Even though it's having such a big impact on our lives, we're staying the course, aren't we? Because we have the bigger picture in mind. We don't want this virus to get the better of us. The churches that the Apostle Peter wrote to in this letter also had their ongoing day-to-day problems. There was no real end in sight for them They were enduring ridicule and persecution for being Christians. Peter taught them how to contend with the opposing culture and how to be a strong church community so they could stay the course together. And as we finish the letter today, we see that he wraps it all up with a kind of big picture view of the situation. Stand firm in your faith, he says in conclusion. Keep going, be steadfast, Endure these difficult days so that the goal of your faith can be realized. Well, what's the goal? You can see it in verse 10, he says, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. The goal is the eternal life with Christ in his glory, Fully restored and strong with him forever, without pain and suffering. The difficulties, Peter says, are only for a little while. But the glorious life in Christ is eternal. So stay the course, he says. And here's how to do it. He gives us three ways. Firstly, in verse 6, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And here's the goal again, that he may lift you up in due time. Well, Peter's already written about being humble with one another in the church, as well as submitting to those in authority over us in other parts of our lives. But here he says, humble yourself before God. And what does this look like? Humbling ourselves before God is all the things that Peter's already talked about. Obedience to Jesus is the outworking of humility. But it's more than just actions. Humility is also a posture of the heart. When we humble ourselves before God, we are letting God be God. We are giving up our own tendency to want to control our own lives and future. Sounds simple, but it's hard to do when we're worried about what's going on around us and the future seems uncertain. And so in verse 7, he follows on, and this is the second point. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The image here is of taking up your worries and throwing them onto God, into his hands, onto his back, and to his shoulders. No doubt the church in this letter were anxious. What persecution was coming next? Maybe they should run and hide or give up their faith and make life easier now. Maybe they could just be secretive about their faith, putting on a public show and just keep the faith part private. And can you see that this kind of thinking would be trying to control the problem themselves? Peter says, no, let God be God. Stay the course. Give him your anxieties about it because he cares for you. You can trust him. God has your best interests at heart and his caring is not just an attitude, not just words, it's a capability. He can and does in fact look after you. Well, are you anxious or fearful at the moment? Our problems are not the same as this church had. It's not about persecution for our faith, although... Some of us have at one time or another been ridiculed for our faith, that's for sure. And certainly severe persecution of Christians continues in parts of our world today. So let's not forget to lift those brothers and sisters to God in prayer that they would also persevere. But we have other anxieties too about what's going on in the world, especially with this pandemic and what it might mean for our future. Different anxieties depending on our different circumstances but all of them are troubling our hearts and minds. This past week I've had some moments where I've recognised in my body anxiety at work. Some spiralling thoughts, hyper-alertness, some trouble sleeping. I know I'm not the only one who's experiencing this. What strategies do you use when you feel anxious? Do you go for a walk? Do you do some focused breathing exercises? Or do you talk with someone who cares? Oh, look, here's a really good strategy, Peter suggests. It should be top of our list. Go to God, sit with him, name your fears if you can, or ask him to help you identify them and release them to him. Let him carry your burden. You don't have to have words to do this, but you do need to, in your heart to acknowledge that God is the one who is in control and to remember that he cares for you. and lift the burden off and give you peace. And try and cultivate a daily practice around this. Make a space and time to do this each day. We need to practice it because we're inclined to want to take control back from God. You know, in saying that God will lift our problems, take our problems away from us, I don't want to minimize the problems that we're experiencing or our experience of it. But entrusting ourselves and our anxiety to God will often bring us a sense of peace and perspective. God loves us and He will help us to be patient in a way that will sustain us through difficult days. Of course, the greatest example of this is found in Jesus himself. On the cross, even when he felt utterly alone and felt like he'd been abandoned by his heavenly father, he still cried out to him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried. And with his last breath, he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus stayed the course, steadfast in the knowledge that God is good and faithful. I've got to say, um, in our church at the moment, I'm so encouraged to see so many of us cultivating the habits of casting our anxieties onto God. Some of you are reading through the Psalms, which is just a fantastic place to learn how to do this well and to experience his care. And the prayers that people have been writing and sharing here on Sundays and in the prayer project during the week are a beautiful expression of our communal crying out to God. We can use each other's words. Sometimes we don't have the words and we can use one another's. Let's keep growing in these things. Now the third key thing to remaining steadfast in faith, Peter says, is resisting Satan. Take a look in verse 8. Be alert, and sober, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Wow, Satan, the devil, where did this come from? It's the first time Peter has mentioned him in the whole letter. You know we don't actually talk about Satan that much do you believe in him you know if you believe that the God of the Bible is real then Satan the tempter the liar the accuser the enemy must also be real but do you give him much thought or consider him a threat you know it's interesting that Peter doesn't give him much time in this letter He's been talking about God and Christ, but in terms of opposition, he's been talking about human opposition. But now in this big picture finish, he finally identifies the devil as the one that we are to resist, the one who's behind it all. What shall we make of this? Think of it a bit like this. Maybe like us in the Miller household, you've been doing some jigsaw puzzles during lockdown. We've had one on the go for a bit and it looks like this and it looks like this and it looks like this doesn't give you much of an idea does it and the thing about a puzzle is you really need to look at the big picture to succeed with it and the big picture of this puzzle is this one this is the box Uh, it's Australian Jesus and this is a puzzle actually Peter Caroline gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago and it's very cool Well, here it's like the Apostle Peter is showing us the cover of a puzzle box. You need to keep your eye on it while you're putting the pieces together. It makes sense. The picture Peter reveals to us here is of God over here and Satan over here and the church in the middle. And the church is to have their back to Satan, drawing close to God, reaching for him and God is embracing them in return. It's a spiritual reality. Now, sometimes Christians talk about the spiritual battle as if it's something different to what we're experiencing ordinarily. But it's all one and the same. The small parts of our everyday lives add up to the whole. So every time we cast our cares onto God, there's another little piece of the picture. Every time we're obedient to Jesus, every time we submit to authority that's over us in this world, every act of resistance to evil is us filling in the details of the picture with God. Well, what does it look like for us to resist the devil? Jesus shows us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, You probably know this story. If you don't know this story of when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, I recommend you look it up and have a look um, a bit later. Firstly, we see Jesus in the desert. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan comes to him and says to him, you should turn these stones into bread. And Jesus refuses to do it. He won't take comfort now over knowing God and his word. Secondly, Jesus won't test God's love by throwing himself off a mountain, as Satan suggests he do, to see if God will send angels to rescue him. Jesus says, don't put God to the test. He knows he doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need that kind of evidence to prove that God is faithful and looking after him. The third thing Satan asks Jesus to do is to worship him and in return promises him power and glory and rule over all the kingdoms of the earth right then and there. Receive power and glory, Jesus, without enduring the suffering. Very tempting, I'm sure. But Jesus resisted, and he kept resisting all the way to the cross. And When Jesus dies there without sin, without ever giving in to Satan, he wins victory over sin and over death. When he's raised up on the third day, we know it for sure, he has won victory over Satan. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, which we read a few weeks ago, death has been swallowed up in victory. And yet Peter says here that the devil is like a lion looking for someone to devour someone to swallow up, still. And we do still see and recognise evil in the world today and we know the experience of being tempted to disobey God and follow the desires of our own hearts. How can we understand this? What kind of power does Satan still have? When I was a kid growing up in the 70s, my siblings and I used to walk home from school together in the leafy green suburb of Sydney where we grew up and in the 70s there were no laws about keeping dogs on a lead or even about securing them in your property. And where we lived, the dogs just pretty much roamed the streets. There were lots of them. A couple of them were scary, but there was one in particular who stood head and shoulders above the rest. And he was bigger than me, a little prep kid. The dog had a funny name, his name was Cabbage. And he was mean, and he was also unpredictable. He could bark loudly, but he could also sneak up on you, and he would chase you if you ran away from him. And it was said that he would bite if he got the chance. I didn't give him a chance. When I was walking home, if I saw cabbage down the road that I wanted to walk, I would walk a different road. I was afraid of him, and rightly so. And here I am to tell the tale for all that caution. Well now, it's not the 70s anymore and dogs need to be walked on a lead and kept securely on your property otherwise. And it's not that I don't like dogs, I really like dogs, especially all of your dogs, but I'm still a bit wary. My family find it funny and a bit strange. Sometimes we're out walking and I'll jump if I hear a dog bark. It's a hangover for sure, of those days back in the 70s when that sound meant that I was possibly in real danger. Now, it's not that I couldn't still be bitten by a dog these days, but uh, I would need to kind of get myself closer to a dog in order for that to happen. It's easier for me to avoid it. Well, since Jesus died and rose again, Satan no longer has the power to separate separate those in Christ from him. We are secure even in death. But it doesn't mean that he is out of tactics. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 12, there's a vision of Jesus' victory over death and Satan being cast out from heaven. And it says, therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. Look, Satan has never been a match for the mighty hand of God. And he won't even have the power he now has forever. But he doesn't like that. When Jesus returns, Satan will be utterly and forever defeated. But for now, he's like a furious dog on a long chain, out to deceive us and tempt us away from our faith. This is the one way he can separate us from Jesus now, by convincing us to give up or reject our faith. And so we need to be wise and resist him. Sometimes this is hard. Giving up on our selfish desires and actions takes perseverance. We need also to admit and talk about our doubts in the church and keep reading God's word and being shaped by it if we're going to remain firm in our faith. Remember the Holy Spirit is with us to help us and remember too that Satan is not overcome by our good works. It's Jesus' good work on the cross that's won the victory. And when we do sin, when we fail to resist, we can go to him. And now we know we will always be forgiven. If you've never experienced this forgiveness from Jesus and you want to be safe with him, please pray to him. Ask him to forgive you and to come into your life. Be humble before him knowing that you need his help and peace and continue to keep the conversation open with him. And for all of us, as we experience uncertainty and wrestle with whatever fears and doubts we may have, let's continue to stay the course, fixing our eyes on the goal, because we don't want to miss out on the eternal glory promised for us in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. God of all grace, you have called us to your eternal glory in Jesus Christ. Help us endure whatever suffering comes our way for this little while. Help us to hope in you and to trust you alone to restore us and make us strong, firm and steadfast. To you be all power for forever and ever. Amen.